well, this is Robstone again, and uh, oddly enough, I hit the record button at 3.24 a.m. I did that last night. Neither of these intended. just happens to be by the time I get around and uh, feel led to get things moving. It's peculiar because of what I planned on, on sharing, what I felt led to share. It's uh, surrounding a couple of dates that two things happened one night after the next, and they they happened at the exact same time. kind of freaked me out when it happened. <laughs> and here I am talking about it, and uh, what I'm having to talk about, I share right around a very similar time frame that this happened. And uh, so yeah, in this episode I want to share more about what I talked about in the last episode and that this concept of the word of the Lord coming to people that I know that the word of the Lord came to me and uh, I'm going to share my experience and I want you to be open-minded about the situation and knowing that in the word of God there have been several different ways that God has communicated with people down here and uh, all of them have been a little different I encourage you to read through the stories and the encounters that people have had with God and the characteristics of God are what remains and the symbols of who he is and what he means to his people in regards to love those are the pieces to follow but I say that to say that there could be countless ways that God can show up in our lives and by no means do I feel as though what has happened in my life is the way that it's going to happen exactly for anyone else and my hope for sharing these things is that others will begin to realize that there may be some pieces in what I say that trigger some moments in your life that you you have to go back and really think about because when this all happened I, I did not understand what was happening and anybody that I reached out to for help I uh, you know they began to distance themselves from me <laughs> because they didn't know what to think of this and uh, it was it's strange it's very weird uh, there's no way that I'm going to get around that but it's my testimony and I have to share it and uh, the hopes that others will see and continue to press forward in their own their own seeking, their own walk, their own cross that they pick up daily and realize it's not in vain and there's a lot of paradoxical things that continue to happen the more we follow this path but it's Jesus's words that we've got to hang on to recognizing that this is part of that upside down kingdom and the things things are going to seem very strange for those who are taking a walk towards the path that Jesus left us seriously it's going to look strange from anything that we currently see in what the world calls Christianity. Uh, it's not what I read. Very different world in which we live. Culturally, yes, but also in just the fundamentals of what it meant to follow Jesus. And so we'll get more into that at a later time. I really need to share what happened. 
and it's just it's interesting last night as I was recording the last session I realized that it was September 19th 2008 that it was the first time that God tried to get my attention and that night it, it didn't click well, what was going on I was just terrified to be honest I had a very strange and anxious feeling and uh, it was the time I looked at the clock and noticed and uh, the next night it was the same time as I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this episode and so what's really strange is <laughs> and I don't know why I looked these things up I'm I'm weird but I'll just have a, a feeling a hunch and there's been multiple times that I've done this and just it's weird patterns I can't tell you exactly what it means uh, I, I don't know I know there are patterns of things in his word that reflect some of these numbers and, and dates and times but uh, they're just observations. Take them from what they are. <laughs> it's just really weird. What do you do with it? But yesterday, it was 4,444 days from the first day that God tried to get a hold of me. And uh, today, it's the same number of the day he actually did, two days in a row. At the exact same time, 338. And uh, I started these at... 324 both nights so I'm gonna have to take some time and meditate on that one and uh, see if there's some things that play out similar to what I uh, I'm gonna share with you tonight and so a little background before we get into that so you kind of know a better idea of, of who I was when this all happened is I grew up in church uh, Assemblies of God was the primary background of the Protestant denomination. They believe the full gospel. They're big on things like the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and they have a, a business model, if you will. That's that's the real thing. Every, every denomination has their bylaws and their buy-in on how to to work in Babylon. It, it's a mess. It, it's not anything that you'll, you're going to find in the scriptures. <laughs> but anyway... Um, that was my background growing up. I'd seen a lot of things that I, I just, you know, scratch your head with stuff. Leadership, having some character flaws and things that happen in the church that causes church splits. And I mean, I've seen some really strange things that just always it gave me seasons of doubt and disbelief as a child, even. In my young teen years, and then there'd be moments where I would just then live however I wanted, you know stick it to the man kind of feel and sure enough I'd overstep my boundaries and end up in a world of trouble and look to repent and you know realize that I, I can't live that way and I would change for a season and then I'd see the hypocrisy again and not, not understand what's happening and just question everything and this was this is a cycle in my life and uh I was in a cycle where I had just left a very radical, charismatic movement where I, I had seen some miracles, but at the same time, the depth of hypocrisy was astounding at the things that people are willing to push under the rugs in order to save face for the ministry, knowing that if anything like this ever got out, that it could ruin them. <clears throat> but yet at the same time, I mean, I've seen miracles. I have seen some things that can only be explained by the, the existence of something supernatural. But at the same time, still so many questions. 
and uh, we had left that, moved to another state, and uh, had begun my adult life, married life, moved to another state, moved back now with a child, uh, and uh, just kind of in a holding pattern. You know, life is picking back up. I'm in a, a promising career that's, you know, people respect it because of what I do in managing money. I was a licensed financial advisor. And, uh, you know, we were helping with a church plant. And we cared, you know, we were doing the church thing. We volunteered at everything that we could. You know, I played in the band. My wife sang. She helped in the nursery. It was a church plant, so we were helping with the setup and teardown every weekend because we were in a college and had to, you know, do it from scratch every week. Helped out with the young adults ministry, food pantry ministry. I mean, we just, we were very involved. But it was, it was coasting. It was just really not knowing what we're supposed to be doing down here and, and ultimately living for myself, having my goals and the things that I want to see happen in my life. And we're headed that direction. You know, I'm continuing to increase my book of business. In that year in business, I was the number one agent in the state for year-over-year -year book growth. Things are good. <clears throat> and then September 19th, 2008 rolls around. My son's a little over nine months old now, and uh, in the middle of the night, felt like something shook. Didn't know what to think of it. Sometimes, you know, you kind of jerk and wake yourself up in the middle of the night, and I thought maybe I'd done that, and I looked at the clock, and it was 3.38 in the morning. And I just had this weird feeling, like an anxiety, that I, I don't know where it came from. It was very strange. It was just like there was a presence that I, I could sense, but I don't know. What's weird is if you listen to the accounts of where people have encountered an angel, they were just terrified. And I kind of had that feeling, but I didn't know why I had that feeling. Just going to leave it at that, make no assumptions. But I couldn't go back to sleep. And it's like I had... Led Zeppelin in my head <laughs> on repeat and I think it was a stairway to heaven and it wasn't like the quiet parts at the beginning it was more intense into it part of the song and I'm just like why Why can I go to sleep and why is this song ringing in my head this is the weirdest thing and the next morning I talk with my wife as you know in the morning we just uh, you know how'd you sleep you know we just share our morning together we only had our one child at the time, and he was nine months old, and in the mornings, typically, he's still in bed. He slept pretty good at that point. And, uh, <clears throat> I told her I couldn't sleep, and kind of what happened, and she said, huh, well, my mom used to always tell me that when something like that happens, just ask God, you know, is he wanting to tell you anything? She brought up the story of Samuel and Eli at one point, I believe. And uh, I was just like, well, no, I really wasn't thinking about that in the middle of the night. I was just frustrated I couldn't go to sleep and that weird feeling. Like maybe I was just anxious about getting up and going to work the next day or something. I don't know. 
But the day went on and didn't think about it again. Went to bed, didn't think about it again. It just didn't really seem significant. It was just kind of an odd fluke, you know, moving right along. And that next night, in the middle of the night, this time it felt like a door knock. But it, instead of like just a door knock, it felt like something knocked the whole house. It just felt like the house shook. It scared me. I sat straight up in bed, and I looked at the clock. It was 3.38 again. And I looked over at my wife, and she's passed out. And when she hears something in that baby monitor, it could be the slightest little thing at that point. She was up there checking on our son. And she was passed out, didn't, didn't feel the house shake. And it's the same time again, and I just I remembered what she said. About maybe God's trying to get your attention. And so I stopped, because I was starting to feel the panic again. And I'm trying to figure out what is happening. I just said, God, if you're trying to get my attention, I'm, I'm awake. What's up? And that is when the word of the Lord came to me. It was the weirdest thing. It was like there was just scripture put into my mind. And it was the, the scriptures that say the voice crying in the wilderness, shouting, repent, prepare the way of the Lord. Like a thief in the night, I'll come again. Like these just concepts, these scriptures were going through my mind. Those two in particular. That if I'm not watching, I'll come as a thief. And then, the, you know, the voice crying in the wilderness. I mean, I knew that was the John the Baptist scripture from growing up. Just hearing these things, but I mean, what on earth? And I, I could not, I couldn't sleep. It was the weirdest thing. I tried to kind of shake Shannon a little bit and see if she was, and nah, she wasn't having it. She wasn't waking up. She didn't hear anything. She was half out of it and went back to bed. And so I went downstairs and I grabbed a notepad that I have with me right now still to this day. It's crazy. I, I have to look at it from time to time just to <laughs> make sure this, this did happen. I wrote things down before anything and on this piece of paper I wrote the date it was September 20th 2008 3:38 a.m. and I'm thinking to myself what on earth why can I not sleep and I wrote down what was in my head those scriptures the voice crying in the wilderness if you're not watching I'll come as a thief and I wrote down you know two in the bed one taken one left I wrote that at the time. I'm just thinking to myself, I was in the bed. <laughs> it kind of freaked me out, you know? You hear these scriptures, and then you have an encounter that you can't explain right away. You're just trying to figure out why, why is there a weird sense of urgency in seeking this out. As I was downstairs praying about what to do with this, I felt pressed upon that there was an importance to the time, 338. And, you know, it looks like a scripture, and it even has a colon in time, just like we separate the scriptures. Like, well, maybe it's a chapter and verse. And that thought just continued to, yeah. And I felt led to go to Matthew, chapter 3, verse 38. And I went there, and I was 
was immediately discouraged. <laughs> Chapter 3 only goes up to verse 17. And I thought to myself, if you've lost your mind, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm going to go to bed. And I went to get up off the couch, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. I thought, well, maybe is it, is it more than just one verse? Maybe it's a set of verses. Maybe it's three through eight. And so I, I just went, and I looked. Matthew chapter three, verse three. I'll read it here in the King James. It says, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and the leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance." That's verse 3 through 8. Honestly, when I got done just reading verse 3, I threw the Bible back down onto the coffee table and just had to sit there and freak out for a minute. I had tears coming down my face and I was just shaking. Like, what on earth? Why would there be something that matches the time that you woke me and where I felt led to just go? And that was the first thing that I heard. And I just, like... Who has these scriptures running through their mind at 3.38 in the morning after they just acknowledge God? Yeah. It was weird. So needless to say, I still couldn't sleep. And now I'm just praying, asking God to help me figure out why was I led to these passages. And what's up with the other ones? Is there more? And so I, I just continued to read that night. I read the third chapter of every book in the New Testament. <clears throat> Made some notes. There were some pretty interesting things. Some things that also were timely, it seemed. But just didn't feel like it was it. You know, it was just like, no, no, it's not. It wasn't what God had put in my mind like the other was until I got to Revelation chapter 3. So the first book in the New Testament and the last book. And it's very interesting considering that there's a lot of symbolization to the beginning and the end. The Hebrew, Aleph, Tav, and the alphabet. The Alpha and Omega in the Greek, the beginning and the end. <clears throat> and then here in Revelation, we have a, another bookend. A beginning in Matthew and an ending in Revelation. Chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard... And hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I come upon thee. <laughs> and the same kind of thing happened there. I had another freak out moment. But let me read on to verse 8. It says, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So I'm like halfway into the fifth church of Sardis that he's talking about, and it's the ones that, there's a few. 
and narrows the way in few who find it. He that overcometh, he shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now there's, there's more verses that goes along with this, and it pulls us into the sixth church. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true. He that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and thou hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Wow. I was very creeped out that night. I'm not going to lie. Didn't go back to bed. I stayed up asking God, what on earth do I do with this? I, it was a Saturday, and as a financial advisor, we were encouraged to work the Saturdays. We've got some clients that you know, couldn't do things during the week. They had work themselves, and so... I had three appointments scheduled. I was a mess through the first appointment, and I called and canceled the other two. I had to reschedule. I was just a mess. And I called my pastor, called my best friend back in Oklahoma. I was in a, up in Indiana at this time. And then I called my, my mother, and we had not spoken in about nine months. They were not happy about us leaving Missouri and moving back to Indiana, and uh, there was an argument that broke out, and just we didn't speak to each other. But I felt led to call her. And you know, the pastor, I didn't tell him over the phone. I just told him, you know, hey, I had a weird situation happen. Can I come over and talk? And I did. He's a car buff guy, and he was working on a car with another church buddy, and he just kind of heard me out, <laughs> and uh, I know they're good men, but they they looked at me really odd, like, hmm, you know, <laughs> sure, great, and I just, I got the pat on the head, like, well, you just, you pray, and, and you just keep asking God what to do with that, in all fairness, you know, if I was somebody's pastor, and they came to me with what I came to them with, I I don't know what I would have said either, you know? Like, geez, can you just tell me, you you know, you, you can't stop looking at porn? I can help you talk about that, you know? But, man, you give me this weird stuff. Pastors don't know what to do with that. It's, it's not your average situation that people want to talk about with a pastor. <clears throat> so that left me just kind of realizing I was on my own from that standpoint talked to my best friend and he's been a conspiracy theorist since he was 16 and so with this happening he at one point really wanted to tell me more about things that were happening in the world and I was just I didn't know how to take it you know it was just one of those where if you have a friend that's, that's a conspiracy theorist you, you you know what I'm talking about you, you want to listen there are some interesting points about some things made, but then there's just some things that are so far out there, you're going, what on earth? And so, but a lot of these things seemed very 
end times, like, you know, from what you read in the book of Revelation. And so now I'm just thinking to myself, hmm, this is, this is what's happening. He was wanting to tell me about different things and the evil in this world. And maybe he knows something. And so, sure enough, of course, <laughs> he began to show me of all the the horrible things happening in this world and you know things like Alex Jones and oh my it just uh, I began to see all kinds of interesting things and then I'm getting really freaked out about the condition of our world because I've been living you know the American dream with rose-colored glasses just you know living living my best life now and this awakening situation happened and now I'm realizing that, hmm, things might be changing soon. I don't know what to do with this. And then my mom. And I don't think she knew what to do with it either. She was just glad we were talking, it seemed. But at the same time, just not not sure how to take me in this whole thing. And so, yeah, from there, there were some strange things that continued to happen nine days from when that happened to me, the stock markets dropped by 777 points, losing 7% on the New Year's Eve of the Hebrew calendar. Last day of the Hebrew calendar, very peculiar day that things like this have happened in times past, but not to this extent. So it was the biggest one-day drop in the market since the Great Depression. And here I am, a financial advisor, getting front row seats and having some weird contact nine days before. <laughs> and I'm already primed looking for end time events, and now this. And, uh, hmm. <laughs> what do you do with this? I, I was a mess. I was a mess. I was on YouTube all the time trying to find out what to do with this. And I tell you what, if you look to the world to try to figure what's going out, things were a mess back in 2008. I can only imagine now. I I don't look up those channels anymore, guys. And if you do, please just stop. There's nobody out there that, that knows what is going on. <laughs> It's just a bunch of, of talking heads and a rambling mess. It's best just to pull away from the confusion, pull away from the chaos, and just be quiet in these moments. That's what I'm doing. And I'm sharing this, just my testimony, my word out here. Not trying to point in a political direction, not trying to point into an economic direction. I'm pointing into a humanity reboot direction based on the things that have happened in, in my life and things that are only explained through similar processes of what we've seen in the Word of God before. And it's happening. It's like there's been this, this absence for 2,000 years and then a resurgence. And there have been forerunners. There have been things that I can point you to to identify that, oh my goodness, these patterns have been here there have been those who have acted like John the Baptist. They've played these things out, and the numbers of how long they have been doing this, the I mean, it is mind-boggling how everything falls in context to his perfection. And the more I can share, the more that everyone will begin to see with this. But 
the point I'm trying to make is there's no new thing under the sun, and we are in this, this transitional period of having a repeat of what Jesus was doing in his day. But what he did is, one, he's setting us in motion for now. He was cut off with the purpose of setting a pattern. And the word of the Lord comes with these patterns. And uh, the first time around when this all happened, I did not know what to do with it. I was such a mess that my wife took our son to Oklahoma, where we're from. And she left for a week and she said, when I come back, be normal. And so I just took a week just to, you know, pretty much dive deep and freaked myself out to the point that I had, a, you know, a few hundred dollars worth of non-perishable foods and, you know, camping survival gear. <laughs> I was preparing the bunker. Something's going down. And, you know, life moved on. And I had to figure out how I was going to survive with, you know, why was I given such a sharp warning for something that's just not here? And I try to talk with people about it, and now they just keep patting me on the head. And <laughs> Okay. So I just stopped talking about it. And I just started moving on with my life just like everyone else was. Just as the world kept turning, so should I. And I didn't, I didn't think too much of it except it would come to mind every once in a while and just, I'd have to stop and think, why would things like this happen? There'd be moments where I would, I would see more hypocrisy in my belief and I would just have to question things, but then I'd have to go back to these other miracles I've seen in the past and this, this experience that I can't shake. What is it? And then when I was 30 years old in 2013, I finally just got to the point of frustration with religion that I just, I said, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I don't want to believe anything. And on August 26th, 2013, I told my best friend, Tim, I said, you know, we were taking a walk in his neighborhood and I just said, I'd I can't do this anymore. I have seen some of the worst things done to other people, and it was done by people that call themselves followers of Christ. And then I worked for people that called themselves followers of Christ, and the things that they did to their, their employees, to their customers, I just, no. And call themselves Christians, this is a lie. And at that point, I just, I didn't want to believe in anything. I couldn't say that there wasn't anything, but at the same time, I, I couldn't tell you what the heck was up and down. Things were so confusing when it came to that because of the hypocrisy that I would see. And that every time I would dedicate myself to that life, it just seemed like I got nothing but kicked in the teeth. Nice guy finishing last all the time. I was just sick of it. And then I realized the people I was working for, I'm making them an absolute fortune. And I am starving, and I, I can't keep up. It's built in such a way that I am stuck, and I'm trapped. And I had planned on making changes by the end of that year to approach that company about, you know, moving back to a contractor position. That's how I started, not being an employee, and kind of taking some things my own direction with what uh, 
I wanted to do in the marketing. I could see that's changing, but I was limited by their capabilities and where they didn't want to put adequate personnel in places and they couldn't keep personnel. There were just there were flaws within the company that were keeping us from moving forward and I, I couldn't make those changes. It wasn't my call to make. And when I approached them about it, things just went really ugly. I threatened to sue and just oh my goodness. And I was just crushed. And it solidified at that point I was angry, I was bitter. And there is no God. If you're going to make it, I'm just going to have to do this myself. And me and my atheist best friend, since sixth grade, we set out on a new venture with our own marketing company. And you know what? It did really well. I was motivated. I was fueled by so much anger and frustration and fear of not being able to take care of my family. <sighs> Made it happen. And in that process, I mellowed out a bit. I learned about giving and not being so much of a taker. I've learned about that's being how I, I, I always was and that it does work. But in the business community, you got to be smart about it. And so I learned. And I genuinely cared, but I cared as much as I could being somebody that was still focused on myself more than anyone else. At the end of the day, if the chips were down and it came down to me or anyone else, my tribe and anyone else's, it's going to be mine. If you messed with me, I was going to make your life miserable. I no longer had moral standards that kept me to where I was going to just offer you my other cheek. I wasn't going to hold on to any more moral standards of purity when it comes to sexual things. It didn't matter. I understand the chemical process. It's dopamine. I just want dopamine. Fine. You know, I, I just began to see things in a completely different light when I didn't live on the religion I grew up in, knowing that that was broken. But I'll tell you, in the course of three and a half years of living that direction, I had some very profound things happen, and I came to the end of myself after achieving my own company goals. We wanted to hit six figures cash profit in the bank. We hit that. We cruised on the company dime three years in a row in the, the Caribbean, buying handmade cigars from Honduras and Belize and Jamaica, Grand Cayman. I mean, $40 Cubans, just five humidors full. <laughs> Love cigars. Just very much living for ourselves. Part of a group that we masterminded, and, you know, part of our masterminding, we would help each other with our problems. You know, we'd present them in a group of other business owners and entrepreneurs and thinkers and share solutions and ideas and things that we can glean from others experience and it came time for Tim and I to share about our problems and you know what we didn't have any everything that became a problem to us we handled so it seemed and then things began to unravel <laughs> we began to have our flaws shown the house of cards blown down 
Tim's wife was diagnosed with cancer in the early winter of 2015. She passed away on March 3rd of 2018. Me, I ended up having moral failures that almost cost me my family and my life. The pinnacle and top of my career. <laughs> and then given the ultimatum, realizing that what it took to get there cost me my soul. Changed who I was. The day that I was, it was my last meet and greet as I was campaigning because I was on the board of a local career tech and I had to run for re-election and I'm at a networking function to shake hands and kiss babies. <laughs> and that day is the day I was given the ultimatum. My wife was my date to that event that night in the 50th story of the highest building in Oklahoma. I got sick. My gut. Something happened. That night I couldn't eat the food and I was just in pain. The night was miserable and the morning was worse. Wife went to work, kids went to school, and I just laid in bed. I felt like I had glass going through my blood. And I finally crawled my way to the shower and I just I cried out. I said, God, if you're real, I need you to show up or I'm done. I've shared this on other places, but you have to understand how important of a pivotal moment this is, and I may repeat this multiple times for you to get the significance of the fact that I had to be at the top of my game and see what that looked like, and then how quickly I was at the top being switched to the bottom, ready to end it. I had the gun next to the bed, and I, I had done things the way that I thought the god of my parents' religion wanted me to do and I could never seem to get past it, never could get ahead. I finally decided to do things my way and I saw what I thought was success, you know, the house and the nice, suburb, no, nice suburbs with the good schools. I had, uh, you know, my own business, money in the bank, beautiful wife, healthy, wonderful kids. Wasn't enough, wasn't, wasn't it? Wife wasn't happy. And when I couldn't make her happy, that just took the wind out of my sails. She wanted me to believe. And in this time period, I told her I couldn't. And it bothered her. We even went to a church. I was a bass player in the band. Helped lead the band through vocal cues and practices and setting schedules and whatnot. And, you know? But I even told the pastor I, I, didn't, I didn't believe, but I wanted to. And could he, could he help me believe by showing the example that other spiritual leaders have failed at in the past? He said, you know, you can, you can belong before you believe. I said, I can, I can go along with that just fine. But my wife just couldn't handle the fact that I'd just going through the motions. She, she knew it and she saw how it changed me to live the way I was living and working the way I was working for Nothing that had to do with God and anything in that direction. She just didn't know how to deal with it. And it finally came to a head. Six days from the day that I cried out. 
to God. I had a very strange answer. My atheist best friend of, at that point, 22 years, came into the office that morning, and he hadn't been in the office because Jenny being sick, he took a leave of absence to help her with some health protocols that they were trying, a lot of alternative options that they were looking for. With her cancer, the uh, you know, chemo and radiation did more damage than, uh, than the cancer itself, and so they looked to nutrition and other ways of dealing with the cancer and had some success in, uh, in keeping it at bay for quite a while. It just finally, she couldn't hold on. And it got a hold of her, and she had surgery, and when she did, it spread when they cut into it, and from there, it was just a lost cause. But at that time, she was alive, they were working through protocol, but Tim wasn't in the office, and so when he came in, it was strange, but then the look on his face... Something seemed wrong, maybe, and I just thought, oh no, have things gotten worse, you know, and he said, no, she's getting better. I just wanted to share with you kind of what I found and why I think she's getting better. I really felt led to share this. I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm open, what's up? And uh, he said, well, I've, I'm researching, you know, about healing. Ever since Jenny had gotten sick, all of the time that he spent looking through conspiracy as a hobby, which he spent a lot of time in, that and games, he uh, were his two hobbies, he stopped looking at the conspiracy to find the answers to save his, his wife. And they had exhausted their efforts in the physical realm. He's like, man, I'm, I'm learning that healing's not just physical. He said, but it's spiritual, it's mental. And I, that alone had me kind of like, hmm, you know, <laughs> spiritual for my atheist best friend. And he said, I, I think there's something to this Jesus guy. And I, I didn't know what to think at that point. I'm just thinking to myself, what on earth? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. And he said, hear me out, man. He's like, I've, I've been researching evil for a long time. And I'm, I'm seeing the other half of the coin. I've always looked for the good. And I, I didn't find it in a political party. I couldn't find it in the church. But in Jesus himself, in his teachings, there's something here. And I, I said, you know... I can't argue with that. My issues never were with Jesus' teachings, but rather the institution that said they were following them and weren't. And I told him that day, I said, look, I, I can't just, you know, run into believing in God this way again. I, I said, there's something wrong here. I don't, I can't put my finger on it, but can we look for the truth together? And we did. We we kind of made our agreement that day that we were going to look for the truth together. And then we had an open mind about this Jesus character. Here's the weird thing. That was February 6th, 2017. Exactly 1,260 days 
from when I told my atheist best friend that I didn't want to believe in anything. Maybe you're not familiar with that number, but if you look at that number, go check out some passages in the book of Daniel. Then go check out some passages in the book of Revelation, chapter 12. And you'll see some significance. And again, I, I can't tell you why this happened this way, except that it did. And if you read all from the scripture, there are people whose lives, their patterns are reflected in a certain way. Certain numbers, certain dates, certain context of symbols. I didn't know this yet. I'm only now speaking from having three years to just digest what the heck has happened. Still not claiming that I, I'm going to fully know at this point, but rather share what has been revealed. He gave me an opportunity to walk in the wilderness, to let me do what I needed to, to try to live life my way, but he had me that whole time. And if you look at Revelation chapter 12, he said there's a a place prepared for the woman 1,260 days in the wilderness. Like he gave me a place prepared in my beguilement of not knowing the truth. It's just weird playing these things out. And then that year, 2017, that was the year that in Revelation chapter 12, it opens up with a sign that John saw in the heavens. That sign literally played out September 23rd, 2017. And even weirder is that there was another celestial alignment right before this that happened on September 20th, 2017, exactly nine years to the day of when the word of the Lord came to me. And now I didn't know about these signs yet, when my atheist best friend decided to talk to me about Jesus on February 6th, I was very skeptical and very shocked that he would bring these things up. And all I wanted to do was know what way is right, because I really don't want to kill myself. I don't want to end this. I don't want to lose my wife and my kids. There were some other events that lined up that, that week, that weekend. Monday, my atheist best friend is telling me about Jesus. That Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, there, there's more events lining up that I'll have to talk about that you can't make this stuff up. It all points to him. And him writing things in my life, not even knowing it. And Paul gives us clues about this. He says, what about those that, that don't practice the law, that don't know the law, but do the very things contained there in his law? They become a law unto themselves. I'm telling you, in the context of what things happened in my life, when they happened, how they happened, the numbers, the symbols, they're all pointing that it's God that's had his hand in this the whole time. And what do you do with that? How do you tell people that? That's what I'm trying to figure out, and I'm just putting this out here Hoping that others have had some other type of experience, something like this, maybe. And maybe they're feeling a tugging and a pulling of repentance in their own life, and he's no respecter of persons. If this happened to me, I mean, there's nothing special about me. Maybe there's more that he's wanting to do in others. 
that need to hear this story of what's happened to me. I'll talk more about the events later on in that week in the next episode. I feel like this will be a good time to stop it. In this season, I was brought to my knees in repentance. By the time that the last week of May into June had rolled around, I had seen enough evidence within myself and the word and the the truth that I had been researching, trying to find answers, that things were real with Jesus. And that I had repented from things that I'll discuss in my testimony. It's important that it has to be discussed because others are in this trap and I have played these things out so that others can have a light at the end of their tunnel too. But I came to a place where I knew that I'd been forgiven and that something was different in my heart that had never been in all the times that I'd followed God. There was something deeper and something... I, I can't explain it. Like I didn't put it there, but it was a gift given to me in this discovery of, of Jesus this time around. Shortly after I came to the fact that Jesus was it, my atheist best friend, who is now gone, you know, no longer conspiracy theory, but really trying to understand God and Jesus because they too, him and his wife, had been atheist, they had confessed Jesus and were following his path and trying to understand He found these videos, I call it Christian conspiracies, you know, there's worldly conspiracies and then there's Christian conspiracies, and what it is is people that are they're looking for the end of the world, you know, and, uh, you know, God bless them, they're gonna, they're gonna find some stuff, but I think they're going about it the wrong way, and we were too at this time, we were very much trying to figure it out, and it's kind of how you have to start sometimes, and uh, by missing the point, <laughs> in continuing to follow and allowing him to change you from the inside out, you, you begin to see the point, but you have to see the contrast of your ignorance as a child, spiritually, and then growing up spiritually as he's led you through refinement, tests. It's not easy, but he is calling to those who have ears to hear in this season. My atheist best friend, now Christian, following these things, brought me these Christian conspiracies about an event happening that year, September 23rd, 2017. And when I saw things lining up that matched around the the timing of when God got a hold of me in 2008, I tried to debunk these things, and I tried to prove them wrong, that no, no, there's no... there's no correlation to this. I still can't explain what happened with this awakening experience, this the word popping into my mind the way that it did and the time matching and all these weird things. But the more I tried to debunk events happening in 2017, the more I ended up finding more evidence that suggested that this is important. Something happened in 2017. A time stamp in the heavens. And not just in the heavens, in our history and in repeats of things that have happened before and point to these times of transition. 
And as we continue to go forward, I'll, I'll spend more time sharing these things. But I think hearing my story is going to help you relate in your own life better at this point. Don't get caught in the signs and the wonders. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for signs. Look for the story, the testimony of Jesus, because that is the spirit of prophecy. And he's in me. And they that have ears to hear, hear. Know that you can't see it with your eyes, but it's a perception, a, a gift of faith that's given to you. But you have to allow yourself to be broken and open and built new. You can't be thinking the way that you've been thinking. And I had to come to a very hard, bitter end of myself in order for this process to come out. And that's why the world's in the mess that it is right now, is it's coming to its bitter ends right now. The world's not going back to normal the way that we've seen it in times past. This is going to accelerate itself to the point of self-destruction. And the only way that things will change is if we see the necessity to change. And as we cry out to him in repentance, he will hear and he will be the one to save us. There's, there is no savior that's going to come in the form of a politician and an economist and any way that you can touch, taste, smell, feel any of our senses here to fix this. It's beyond us. But it's the faith of the Sabbath and knowing that we're in this transition to the true Sabbath, this, this millennial time period that has been foreshadowed since the beginning. Everything's pointing to this. In the next episode, I will talk more about the next steps with this. You know, where things went from, from this point on. And then I, I want to spend time in another episode going over the details of the sign and the things that happened in 2017 on a global scale that reflect the times that we're living in and the transition that's taking place. I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for all of the people that will hear this and that will begin to change things in, in their own lives, in your own lives out there. Hearing the story and recognizing that there's a path that we have to follow for us to come together and allow for this next chapter to take place, for him to come to us as he has in times past. As there was a former outpouring of his spirit in the upper room with Peter, there will be a ladder. And until we can come together in one mind and one accord, we can all speak the same thing. It's not happening. <laughs> We're all still in this situation of Babel. And we have over 40,000 different denominations of people saying they're following Jesus and they're all one in him. I don't think this book means what we think it means. I think we've missed a few things. So just as John the Baptist was leading a movement of reboot, he was going back to the Jordan, <laughs> you know, and just as Joshua at the Jordan to cross over into the Promised Land, he's, he's replaying this. This is a whole new moment of us to do this all over again. I'm inviting you to do the same. But this Jordan is not a literal Jordan. Jordan means to descend. And as we are baptized in water... It is the chaos down here. It's our carnal life. 
And when we die to it and give it over to him, he comes to us with his spirit and baptized with fire. And it's a refinement, and anything that's not of him is going to be burnt away if you're truly serious about following this path. You're not going to make the compromises. You can't make the compromises. When Ananias and Sapphira said they sold everything to follow Christ and didn't and lied about it, they instantly dropped dead. In this age, it's a foreshadowing as well. You're not going to be able to play this game. The stakes are high. It's a crisis moment in the world. What are you going to do? My advice? Read through Matthew chapter 5 through 8. Really familiarize yourself here because we have to live in this upside-down kingdom as though it is here now. We have to proclaim it through faith, not just in word, but in how we live and in changing what this looks like down here to be human. And that's what this three and a half years has been now on the other side of this. It's been walking in that direction. And it has changed me, my wife, my kids, and we're still in process of change. But I am completely unrecognizable in every way from the man that I used to be. And I encourage you to, it's okay. Those who overcome will be given a white stone with a new name written in it that only they themselves will know. Saul had to take everything he thought he knew and consider it as dung and move on to Paul. Literally left the Hebrew to go to the Greek, <laughs> the Jews to the Gentiles. Paul is just the, the Greek version of Saul, sure, Hebrew. So funny. I love you all. And I pray that these words are encouraging and that you can continue to take time to think about the things I'm sharing in light of his word and in the prophecy. And that the mystery is Christ in you. Check out the playlist that I'm going to put in this just like I did in the last one. I watched it myself again today, these seven... Bible Project videos have a synergy in them, have concepts and themes that, that weave in together. And I'm trying to help you guys see a bigger picture that's being revealed. It's right under our noses, though we, we don't know it. But I pray that more of you will join, reach out, Off the Beaten Path family on Facebook, message us. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to answer questions about the things I've shared already and things maybe I haven't. I think there might be some even better conversations sparked if I don't just ramble and that people can start engaging in some some dialogue with the things that I've presented and the things that have happened in, in your life that you may have questions about that we can we can meditate and seek together and ask the Father for answers. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to seek these things out. And it would be an honor to seek them out with brothers and sisters who have a heart after him and uh, his kingdom being first and foremost. But uh, I will speak here soon again. And until then, I pray that you be well.